Welcome back to Love Letters and Mixtapes. I am so glad you're here. This podcast explores all the things that our younger selves needed to hear, whether that was 30 years ago, 3 years ago, or yesterday. After you listen to this episode, please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sponsoring this podcast with a one-time donation or a monthly donation by clicking the link in my Instagram bio at love letters and mixtapes or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I wanted to open this episode by reading a really beautiful quote that I came across about a year ago, and of course it fell in my lap again this week, and it was just perfectly aligned with what I wanted to speak about today. This is a quote by Miranda July from her book, The First Bad Men. I was wondering if my life, the life in which I had a son and a beautiful young girlfriend, could exist outside of the hospital. Or was the hospital its container? Was I like honey, thinking it's a small bear, not realizing the bear is just the shape of its bottle? Well, this week I wanted to speak about grieving the loss of an imagined future and what happens to our self-perception when our insides don't match our outsides in the aftermath of trauma, grief, loss, or fight or flight. So, as you can imagine, that's a very light topic, (laughs) but it was something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and something actually came up at work this week during a conversation that inspired me to sit down and jot some notes, and this is not a well-planned out episode, but it's coming straight from my heart. So this conversation that happened at work was about our collective experience with big feelings of loss and grief and fear that have been coming up this year. And me personally, I have been navigating some things in my own life that some of the people I work with know about. And we were talking about fight or flight and living in survival mode for an extended period of time. And what happens when you have that physical, mental, and emotional crash when it occurs and what happens when it occurs, and then how you pull yourself out of that. So I was talking about my experience with a recent uh, doctor appointment that had been on my calendar for a while, (laughs) just been staring me down for months, and leading up to the day, there was a lot of stress and tension in my body. And I had such a difficult day at work 
before the appointment that I was actually shaking by the time I closed my computer. <laughs> and I was talking about how difficult that was, but how helpful it actually was for me to focus on something else, even though it was stressful before that appointment, because I can barely speak or function when I walk into the doctor's office. And I also talked about the intense feeling of decompression and just release that comes over my body when I walk out of the doctor's office, when everything is over that I've been going through and I know that I'm done for the day, just that exhale that happens throughout my whole body. And with my colleague, I was talking about all the different areas in our life that this occurs, whether it is health, whether it is financial stress, whether it is intimate partnerships and relationships, or family dynamics, or loss, or grief, just that feeling of being really contracted and wound up, and that spring that gets released. And what do you do in those moments? How do we respond? Not just react, but really respond to ourselves. And how do we respond when the people around us are navigating something like that? You know, very often there are conversations around self-regulation. And to be fair, I do like those concepts. I think it is really important to be able to regulate your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings. But I also know that we don't exist in a void and we were not built to exist in a void. So how do we show up for others, with others, or even share what we're going through with others when we are experiencing these things? And I will be the first to tell you, I am the worst at this. So that's why it's particularly important for me to make a podcast episode about this because I could be going through the worst thing in my entire life and feel as if I can't share it with anyone because I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be known. I don't want feedback. <laughs> and the idea of receiving compassion, tenderness, or support makes me feel weak. And it makes me feel as if I won't survive the thing I'm going through. And that's just me being human. That doesn't mean I don't share things with people. It means that's my first human response when something's going on. And I thought about that just given all the things I'm navigating in my own life. But I thought as a collective, how do we navigate these moments? And what is our first impulse? Is our first impulse to isolate? Is our first impulse to beat ourselves up? Is our first impulse to turn on ourselves? Do we have an impulse to practice self-care? And I'm not even talking about a spa day or something over the top. I'm talking about self-care as treating ourselves the way that we would treat a loved one. The simple, have you eaten? Have you slept? Do you need water? Self-care as checking in with ourselves to assess how we feel, how we're perceiving things, instead of instantly attempting to numb ourselves with people, places, and things. 
Part of the reason I love that Miranda July quote so much was because it really spoke to how we see ourselves and how our circumstances or our fluctuating feelings can really impact how we look at ourselves or how we can't look at ourselves in those moments when our life is changing. And yes, we've participated in the change in some way, but sometimes it feels as if life is changing and it's out of our control. And then who do we turn on first? And who do we beat up first? Who do we neglect first? And very often that is ourselves. And so when she said, was I honey thinking it's a small bear, not realizing the bear is just the shape of its bottle. God, that resonated with me so much. I just kept thinking about that. And I love the imagery of rich golden honey. And then this contrasting image of this honey bear on a shelf in a supermarket and how often we can go through that confusion when we're going through something and we're changing and our life is changing and we begin to think that we're the shape of this thing that is happening in our lives and we become very disconnected from who we are at our core the person we have always been and just returning to that or at least attempting to walk ourselves back towards the part of us, that honey part of us, is so important. I know I'm going through that right now and thinking, God, I'm losing all of these things that I've worked towards my whole life. What shape is my life taking? And I know that I'm not the only one. Even if you're not going through it right now, maybe you've gone through it in the past or you're going to go through it in the future. When the shape of your life changes and you have to adapt to fill that space and just make it work, how do we perceive ourselves? And how challenging is it to recognize the goodness that's always been in us, the strengths, just all of the things that make us who we are, our character? Are we disconnected from that in those moments? And how do we get back to it? How do we look at the shape of our circumstances and say, this is where I presently am, this is where my feet are, but this does not define me? Personally, I have been thinking about that concept of grieving the loss of an imagined future so much lately. And by lately, I mean the last three years, but it seems to have escalated a lot lately given what's going on in my life but it really brought me back to where we were three years ago and just think about that that was before covid was declared an emergency think about what you were doing that first week of march in 2020 and i can share personally what was going on for me because i'm at peace with it but 2019 had been a really challenging period of my life and I had to come to terms with a lot of things that were falling away, things that were changing, ways I was growing, things that were uncomfortable, just human stuff. Nothing I talk about in my own life is that special, but to me it was really impactful. And I remember at the start of 2020, I had this feeling in my body that this was my time. I was going to make the changes in my life that I had always wanted to make. And I wasn't going to let fear 
or anxiety or self-doubt hold me back. I literally said out loud that 2020 was going to be the best year of my life. <laughs> oh my God. Anyway, so I did that, <laughs> which looking back on that, it is so awkward. <laughs> but I remember saying that and thinking that and planning that and really imagining this future that I was going to step into and build for myself, no matter how uncomfortable it was. And in the very beginning of March 2020, I was on Oahu and I remember being at the top of a hike and looking over at the ocean and just thinking, yes, this is it. Everything is about to change. And I came down from the hike and I received a text message from my mom telling me to come back to the mainland as soon as possible. And she was sending me all of these news articles and it just started to shift there. And that imagined future, all of those changes that I was going to make that I swore nothing was going to hold me back from, instantly it began to shift. And I look back at that time because here we are three years later and so many of us have had to pivot, rearrange, mourn, move on, let things go, take directions that we never would have chosen. Some things have been amazing. Some things have been really challenging and lives have shifted forever, permanently. But I'm still thinking about that imagined future and how no matter what the outside of my life looks like right now, it almost feels as if the insides don't match. And I bring this up because it's a really important concept that we're almost programmed not to talk about. It's almost as if we can make the outsides look good and check off all the boxes and do all the things that everyone would see as successful or um, something they could measure in a good way that that's okay and that's all we have to do. But what happens when there's no emotional homeostasis? when our insides are raging or really sad or very uncomfortable or we're confused and we still make the outsides look good. I think about that discomfort and how it ties into this bigger conversation and how discomfort is often confused as pain and pain is confused as something that might kill us. But maybe discomfort is just us meeting our edges tracing our finger along the edge of where we end and everything else begins and surprised by the stinging paper cut it leaves on us. I know that my own discomfort these last few years and especially the last few months has been especially surprising to me. And, you know, very often on here I talk about the experience of the adult child of an alcoholic or the adult child of a parent who struggle with substance use disorder or any type of disorder that really impacted their functioning, whether it was drugs, alcohol, sex, gambling, whatever it was, there's that feeling that we have as a group of people who grew up that way that if we don't know what is going on, then something must be wrong. And I think about how present that was in these last few years when there was so much unknown. 
and how it felt like this constant state of anxiety in the greater world, but also check in in your personal life. Check in about what changed in the last three years. What opportunities were lost? What opportunities came into your life? What relationships ended? What relationships grew in really unexpected places and ways? What connections were formed? What things that you thought you could never live without have you been forced to live without? What did the last three years force you to tell the truth about? About yourself? About your relationships? About how you see yourself or the world or what you want or what you think you deserve? And I know for me personally, I felt like my world was collapsing in on itself. And yes, that sounds really (laughs) self-centered, but I had a lot going on in my personal life. And I had delayed making so many decisions because I didn't want anyone to be mad at me. I didn't want anyone to be disappointed in me. I didn't want to let anyone down. I didn't want to mess things up. I didn't want to take up too much space. And so I delayed making all of these choices for myself. And I felt like I'd finally gotten to a place where I could do that. And the whole world shut down. (laughs) It was almost poetic. And I remember wanting to contract. And I think a lot of us can probably relate to that in moments where you feel that profound fear and disappointment and anxiety, and you just want to hide. But I've always found that it's those counterintuitive actions, those things that I don't want to do that reveal what I need to do. They reveal how I show up for myself and how I show up for the world. And I think about that. I think about that today as what can I do in my own life, even now when it's not as dramatic as early March 2020, but I'm still having those waves of grief for this imagined future. I'm navigating some challenging things in my life. How can I get out of self and connect when it's the last thing I want to do? And it's especially layered for those of us who navigate that rocky terrain of post-traumatic stress disorder, because it is never just that one thing. I suffered from severe PTSD from something that happened 20 years ago. And I know when I'm in moments of stress or fear or anxiety, all of those things rise to the surface again. And yes, I have tools to deal with them, as I'm sure so many of you do, but it's particularly challenging. And if I know one thing about PTSD is that it limits your life. It limits your experiences, your relationships, your perspective, and your perception of all of those things. You know, very often people find that their experience of PTSD is very similar to what happens when we faint. Our vision narrows, sound distorts, time distorts, and it feels as if you are looking at your life through a dark pinhole and you can't quite touch anything. And I think about that and how that offers me so many tools and keys and gifts for navigating these things. It's not just a punishment. It's almost a doorway 
and saying, I've been here before, so how do I walk through this? So whether that's you and you are navigating your own experience with grief, grieving an imagined future, whether you've been in fight or flight or feeling very contracted or navigating that really awkward space of loss, whether it's a loss of sense of self, loss of a relationship, loss of a job, loss of security, whatever it is for you. I don't like to qualify what is worse for someone than it is for someone else. It's your experience of it qualifies it for you. You know, when we have those moments and we want to escape, we want to run away from ourselves, we want to run away from everyone else. I think about that and I know that for me personally, I've been calling myself back home because I've been scared to be in my body lately and I've had a strong desire to escape and I don't quite have words for it yet. And while eventually I'm sure I'll find someone to talk about it with, I do know that engaging in activities that required extension in moments when all I wanted to do was contract was so helpful. Anything that required focus when all I wanted to do was disassociate or daydream, that was so helpful. You know, anything that required new information or learning or taking things in or saying yes when I wanted to say no or when all I wanted to do was perseverate on the past or what I thought I was losing, what I thought I was missing out on, that has been so healing. And grieving our imagined future or navigating loss, time is one of those things that can be so terrifying. We think that the time is slipping through our fingers and we're never going to get it back. And, oh my God, what are we going to do now? You know, you get into a spiral. So I am here telling you the same way I would tell myself that time is a gift, not a threat. And as difficult as this is to believe, because I struggle to believe it every single day, (laughs) it's not too late. That thing that you want to do, I promise you, there's time. The person that you want to become, those changes that you want to make, all of those detours and delays, the timing always was and is perfect. That person you want to be with, that life you want to build, you have time. Every false start, every obstacle, every moment of self-doubt was an essential thread in this invisible story that we are all weaving together. There is more than enough time, and you are right on time. So I shared a little bit about my experience with going to the doctor's office and doctor's appointments and all of the health issues that I am navigating that really turned my life upside down. And when I got home, I sat down and started writing the way I always do. And I wrote something that was just sort of stream of consciousness, but I thought I'd share it here to close out this episode. You know, I've shared on this podcast about my own experience with PTSD from something that happened 20 years ago 
I had a life or death situation that changed my life forever. And lately, when I'm in those situations, when something happens and those feelings are triggered again, I find that I do just need to sit down and write about it. So this was what I wrote. The best part about almost dying at a very young age is that everything that happens after you survive is just bonus material. And people don't talk about this enough. Once you survive something you shouldn't have survived, your life transforms into the part of the movie that comes on in the mostly empty movie theater after the credits roll on a hot Sunday afternoon. And aren't you glad you stayed in your seat to enjoy the cool air for a few minutes longer and had a private laugh at the curated blooper reel? Take today, for example. The patient next to me in the waiting room had just been diagnosed. His daughter spoke bluntly about perspective, and he nodded along silently. Then he said, sometimes you just have to say yes to life. Sometimes we're the ones holding ourselves back. Sometimes it's life, and sometimes it's us. So if you listen to this whole episode, I hope you're doing well. I hope you feel seen and heard and held and affirmed in all of your experiences. Whether this episode made you think about March 2020 or it's making you think about March 2023, I want you to know that you have more than enough time. Maybe that's something that all of us who listen, all of us who don't know each other, but who still show up to the same virtual campfire, whether it's in our homes or with our headphones on, listening to this episode, I hope that you're feeling like you can say yes to your life. Whether you're grieving your imagined future, whether you're feeling lost, whether you feel like you lost things, whether you felt like you lost people, whether you feel like you lost a sense of self, I hope you feel like you can say yes. And until next time, make sure to hit the follow button on your favorite podcast listening platform. Take a moment to rate and review this podcast. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider making a monthly donation to support this podcast by clicking the link in my Instagram bio or scrolling down to the notes section of this episode.